Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. We're up to installment number five on eternal perspectives. The whole thrust of this series that I've been teaching is to discover the reality that this life is not it. This is but a dress rehearsal for eternity. That what we have in the short few years that God gives to each one of us has a huge impact on what we will be doing and how we will be spending eternity. Therefore, if we understand that and we don't lose sight of the fact that we're all going to have an appointment of which none of us will ever be late for. You might be late for lots of appointments in your life. You might be that sort of a person, but there's one appointment that you will never be late for. It is appointed unto man once to die and then face the judgment. And that every single person who follows Christ will also have an appointment with Jesus with his hair as white as wool and his eyes as blazing as fire. We will all have to one day come and appear before the judgment seat. You won't be able to take your little posse with you. You'll be there before Christ and it's an opportunity If you today live your life realising that day will come, if we become absent-minded and we forget that one day we have an appointment with destiny, then so often we can just live our lives any old how and we're not worried or concerned of the fact that one day we will have a destined appointment with God. And so the whole thrust of our series is if we can understand that, if we can understand the impact our lives will have on eternity, eternity being the real life, eternity being the forever and ever world without end, amen, whereas this life is just but a drop in the ocean, then friends, then maybe, maybe that can give you and me fresh motivation to share the love, to be a better person, to change and to allow Christ to work in us and through us in a greater degree. Amen? Amen. You know, any sports team that is in a competition, Auckland had the embarrassment of getting thrashed by the Japanese team yesterday. It was a sad day for Auckland rugby. (laughs) But we're not commiserating around that. We're not even commiserating around the fact that the All Blacks drew the series with the Lions. You don't detect any sadness in me at all, do you? (laughs) But I want to tell you what, the players are sad. Do you know why? Because when you are in a sports competition, you don't enter it for play day. (laughs) For a play day. You enter it for one purpose, to lift the trophy at the end of the season. You enter it because you believe that there is an opportunity for you to win the prize. And in the same way, we're going to understand that there are motivations as believers and Christians where Christ, where Jesus Himself has offered us some incredible trophies that will be picked up in in eternity. 
And as we learn to love him and as we learn to share our lives with him, there is something that God will do in and through us while we're here on earth. So what is the purpose for being on Team Jesus this morning? I want you to know if you're a follower of Christ today, you did not choose him, but he chose you. You know what, you know, you remember when you were at school? We used to do the, uh, this is what we used to do when we were at school and we were about to play rugby at lunchtime. Plum, pudding, plum, pudding, plum, pudding. Okay, and the one that got the full foot in before the end, they got first choice and they would always choose the best players. And it'd be the worst player that would be the last choice. Poor old them sitting there. Nobody wanted them on either team. <laughs> but you know what? Jesus said, I've come to select you for my team. You're chosen by God to be on Jesus' team. So what does being on Jesus' team mean here and now for us? To be on a team, there's a purpose. There's a reason why God has put you on his team. And that's the purpose that I want to talk about today. Paul was motivated. The Apostle Paul was motivated in his life. All of you understand that he was an extraordinary man. The Bible says he was taken up into the third heaven. He saw revelations. He saw things outside the body. He saw things in the body. He was a man who suffered much. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. Many times he was stoned by physical stones, not weed. He was stoned and left for dead. This is the man that wrote three quarters of the New Testament. And you know what? He states very clearly the purpose and the reason why he was selected for Team Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today because he was motivated not just for a week or so. You know, not just like, you know, the how-to seminars. They'll, they'll give you how-to management tips for your life. You know, and you, how many of you have been tried different diets? You know, and some of them work, some of them don't. But, you know, most of them, they're here for a moment and then they're gone for the next. And Paul lived his life in such a way that he was in continual motivated phase of life because of what I'm going to talk to you about today. It led him to literally be willing to offer his own life in many difficult situations because of this thing that we're going to discuss today. So we're going to open our, the Bible this morning at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28. Him we preach. Who's him? Hallelujah. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. For what purpose? Here's the purpose. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, or for this reason that he's just stated, I labour, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. There is Paul's motivation and reason for doing what he did. For putting himself in harm's way. For often being without food, for many times fasting, not because he made a choice, but because he didn't have a choice. Being imprisoned and being harmed. This is why he did it. You know why he did it? Because the thing that motivated Paul the Apostle was that he wanted to present every man and every woman perfect in Christ. He knew that we all have a destiny with Jesus, a destined appointment. 
He knew that there was something on the calendar one day where each one of us would have to appear before Christ and He wanted to present us before Jesus perfect. Do you know what that means? That word doesn't mean perfection per se. What that word means, mature. Not presenting the church that He's looked after, that He's pastored, that He's preached, that He's planted all these churches. And His goal was, He knew that they all had that appointment with Christ in eternity. And He didn't want to present these people, His church, the Bride of Christ, as immature, ungrown babies that never learned how to grow up in Christ. He said, I want to present them mature, I want to be proud of them. I want to be a pastor and I want to be a a preacher and a teacher that knows that the Word has gotten and has produced life change and has produced Christ-likeness, that people have actually grown up and matured as a result of all my effort of preaching, teaching and warning every man in order to bring them to that place of maturity. That says something to us this morning, doesn't it? You know, 1 Corinthians 3 will give us, we're not going there this morning, but I really encourage you during the course of the series to read it over and over again, to get it into your heart of what's going to take place because Paul lays it out very, very clearly what will happen to every single one of us in 1 Corinthians 3. And here he says... You know, I, I, I think, I, I've still met some of the guys that I used to knock around with as a teenager. And we'd drink, we'd smoke dope, we'd do a few drugs. And you know what? I meet them now, they're still going to the pub three times a week. They're still smoking dope in their 50s. And their life has never gone anywhere. Why? Because they were, they were still, they were in a, adult body living a teenage life. They never grew up. They never grew up. And we know that chronological age, chronos meaning time, that chronological age has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. You can be 30 years in the Lord and still be a baby because you never grew up. You remained back where you were when you first got saved. And so Paul is saying, there is that day. The Bible talks about the day. That day that he's getting everybody ready because he wants to present them as grown-ups, as mature, as people who have changed over the years into the image of Jesus. He was always aware of that day. He didn't want them just to grow old. He wanted them to grow up. God doesn't want you just to grow old. He wants you to grow up, to become more like His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, maturity is the process of growing up spiritually. It's the process of going deeper in your relationship with Jesus. It's the process of your life actually mirroring, becoming more like the one you love and the one that you serve. It's the process of becoming like Christ in your conduct, 
in your character, in your attitudes, and in your actions. That's what maturity means. It covers a wide range of subjects for us this morning. You know, Paul at times had to come with, down with a heavy hand. And I'm not doing that with you today. I don't have a beef with anyone here today. But I want us to remind us that sometimes when you're behaving like a child, you need to have a slap, a spiritual slap, where the jandal might be needed. (laughs) Why did he do it? Let's read 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's why you'll never, ever go anywhere if you just focus in the natural realm. If there's no spirit component to your life today, there's no prayer, there's no reading of the Word, there's no fellowship, there's no connecting with other Christians, the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. You can't grow up if you're living your life in the natural world. It is impossible. Why? Because the natural man can't comprehend spiritual truths. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Hello? If they're spiritually discerned, the word discern means to understand or to know inherently or intuitively. If they're spiritually discerned, you've got to have some spirit stuff in you and behind you in order to grab a hold of spiritual truths that are going to help you mature and grow up as a believer. Can I hear an amen this morning? The foolishness to us unless the Spirit is helping us. And he goes on to say in the next chapter, verse 1, immediately same conversation. He says, brothers, I can't speak to you as spiritual people. Why? Because you're carnal. Do you know what carnal means? Carnal means you're living your life out of your natural mind and your natural talents. He says, I I can't speak, I can't give you the spiritual truths that Christ has revealed to me because you're living in the natural world and you're not going to get it. You're carnal, you're focusing on fleshly things. Are you still with me, church? Okay. And so he then says, um, because you are babes in Christ. I want to give you more, but I can't because you can't receive them because you're still a baby. Verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able because you're still carnal. Do you detect a little bit of a telling off going on here? For where there's envy, strives, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? In other words, friends, once you receive Jesus Christ, you're, you're no longer called to live as a mere man or a mere woman. You've got supernatural stuff on board. You're, you know, they say about computer chips powered by Intel on the inside. 
Intel is a good computer chip. When you're a Christian, you're powered by Jesus on the inside. You've got all the stuff that's there ready for you and me to grow. But he says, look, you're still fighting, bickering, striving. There's divisions among you. You're still living as mere men, not the supernatural sons of God that you're called to live as. And you know what I find interesting? Paul was shocked at this. Do you hear the shock in his tone? Why is he shocked? When did this church start? He wrote this letter. This is where Bible study is very helpful. He wrote this letter to the Corinthian church five years after they were born again. So by Paul's measuring rod, he's saying it's been five years since you received Christ, but you're still a baby. You should have grown up by now. You're five years old in the Lord and you're still behaving as a little child. So how do we get spiritual maturity? How do we get off the milk and onto the meat? Hebrews 5 gives us the answer to that. Hebrews 5 verses 12 to 14. Let's read it this this morning. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now friends, this is even worse. This letter was written 30 years after the church was started. 30 years after the church was started was the letter to the Hebrew congregation written. Three decades. Three decades, you should be teaching the Word of God. You ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Here we go again. Real spiritual slap in the face. 30 years on, I can't give you the meat because you're still a baby in Christ. I've got to give you formula. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk, listen to this, here's the defining category. If you want to look in the mirror this morning and find out where are you, are you still on the milk? Are you still a Christian that needs to be fed formula? Or are you on the meat? You have come to need milk and not so for everyone who partakes only of the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. She is a babe. And that doesn't mean a babe. That means... (laughs) That means a baby in Christ. Unfortunate translation with modern contemporary spin on English. (laughs) Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Another translation says to those who are mature. Solid food belongs to those who are mature or those who have bothered to take on board that which Christ has been implanting into their lives. And as a result of being doers of the word and not hearers only, they've grown up. They've grown up. 
They're responsive. They're obedient. They're doing the things that Jesus asked them to do. And they're able to take on board. They're meat eaters. They're able to take on board spiritual truths and deep understandings. And they are obviously able to teach others because that's part of the characterization of the difference between someone on milk and someone on meat. Friends, you only need to be in the Lord a very short period of time if you're responding to Christ and you're growing in the Lord to be able to teach another person about Jesus. To those who are mature, that is those, listen, how did they get here? By reason of use. What does that mean? That means they put the word into practice. And they're no longer unskilled in the word of righteousness. Why? Because they've been practicing. They've been putting it into practice. Why do rugby teams spend so much time midweek practicing? Practicing their moves, practicing their passing, practicing even the very basics. A person can be playing rugby all their life. And you know what? The coach still gets them every week to practice the basics. Because you never leave the basics behind. It's a platform for further maturity and greater skill to be brought into your life. By reason of use, they've had their senses exercised to discern. Remember that word, discern, both good and evil. What is a milk Christian versus a meat Christian this morning? So obviously a milk Christian is someone that doesn't have the skill to unpack the Word of God. They have not developed the habit of going to the Word of God when life's challenges hit their door. Instead of going to the Word of God, they'll go to their friend they know will always side with them. They will always offer them sympathy or empathy or pat them on the back, you poor thing. When sometimes it actually means, have you been disobedient to the Lord? A good friend loves at all times, but love doesn't mean always putting a lollipop in our mouths. Sometimes it means we need to hear the hard stuff in order for us to move forward in our life. And so a milk Christian has not yet developed the habit when they're faced with a challenge of immediately going to the Word and seeing what the Word says. Lord, what would you say in my situation? How do you want me to move the situation forward? What does your word say in my life? They're not accustomed to going to the word. They just love a good back scratch. Make them feel better. But unfortunately, it doesn't make you grow up. They'll often go to secular sources to try and get help instead of first of all going to the source of it all. Jesus said, I am the truth. Go to the truth. What does the truth say? Let's go back to the truth. The truth defines, the truth sets apart. The truth helps us. And so they've never got onto the habit of putting into practice the word of righteousness and therefore they are still unskilled and they stay on the milk. And often, they'll be depressed. Now, I'm not saying that depression is a result of all that I'm speaking about. Please don't hear me wrong, because I know there's lots of reasons for depression. But often, your depression may well be your disobedience 
and not doing something that Jesus asked you to do. And as a result, you're stuck. Your wheels are spinning in the mud. You may be putting a lot of effort in, but you're not going anywhere because there's still something that Christ wants you to do. And it's in the Word, and the Word will teach you what to do. So on the other hand, a meek Christian, they've learned to discern both good and evil because they've been practicing the Word. They've been going back to the Word all the time. My, I remember my disciple, my mentor, he used to ask me this question all the time. How do you know that, James? And I'd give all these other answers. And then he'd actually bring it right back to the bottom line answer. And he says, uh-uh-uh. They're all good answers that you're giving. But he says, it's because it's in chapter and verse. And that's what you need to be listening to in your life. Going back to the Word of God. It's the first place a mature person will go to is to the Word of God. And often they don't have to open the pages of the Bible because they've stored the Word in their heart. How can a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed thereunto, Psalm 119, thereunto the Word of God. Sexual purity in our generation is a massive, massive issue. How can we keep ourselves pure? By going back to the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to teach us and show us how to escape the clutches of sexual temptation and impurity. So the first place they go to is the Word of God. And the Bible says here that the defining difference between milk and meat Christian is the ability to discern. In other words, friends, they have the ability, a meat Christian has the ability to see things as they really are, not just as they appear to be. What do I mean by that this morning? Well, if you put a shiny marble on the floor and your six-month-old baby who's just learned how to crawl is on the floor, what will that baby do? It will see the shiny, bright marble and it will crawl towards the marble and you better get there before the baby does because otherwise it could swallow it. All right, now, now let's just, just for the sake of illustration, let's place a diamond next to the shiny marble. A diamond that will not appear as bright or shiny as the marble. What's the baby going to go to now? The marble. Why is it going to go to the marble? Because of it's nice and shiny and the baby has not yet learned to discern. Just because it's shiny doesn't mean that it's as valuable. A meat Christian has discerned what is valuable and what is not, not just because of its shine. Are you with me so far? So when we're a milk Christian, we're drawn and attracted towards the shine. Shiny circumstances, shiny opportunities, shiny man, shiny woman. <laughs> because they haven't yet learned to advance to meet Christianity by reason of, uh, by reason of use and we get duped by the shine in life rather than realise what, what is valuable to God 
And it's by reason of practicing the Word of God that discernment comes and we actually realize that things aren't as what they really seem to be because spiritual discernment will give you the truth on a situation and you can go deeper. Hallelujah this morning. So, God will put us into real life situations that can be challenging and by reason of use of the Word of God, you can learn to grow up and you can mature as a believer and you can get breakthroughs in your life by going first to the source of the Word of God and making sure that you're taking, and I'll finish off with this in just a moment, that you're taking the written Word and you're applying the written Word mixed together with the living Word. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is current and up to date and He will show you how to apply the written Word. Instead of it just being something dormant or something that you think you should do every day is read a verse or two in your life. You know, some resent the Word of God. As a pastor, many times I've come into a counselling situation and I'll just listen and I'll hear and the situation will unfold and it becomes very obvious to me with spiritual discernment almost immediately what the issue is here and what God says about how to apply and fix that issue. And then you go to bring chapter and verse into the situation and says, oh, I don't need that. I don't need that now. I don't need you to be quoting the Bible at me. I need real help. Right there is a, a milk Christian that hasn't learnt the power of what the Word can do within their lives. So meek Christians right from the outset in any circumstances will go immediately to what the Word of God says in the situation. They don't want to drift. They don't want to drift away from Christ. They don't want to drift in their relationship with Jesus. They want to stay anchored. They want to stay strong. They want to stay on track and on target. Milk Christians say, it's too hard to chew. Pastor, give me some milk. It goes down a lot easier. Tastes a little bit better. I don't want to put all that effort into chewing. Just give me the milk. Pastor, you shouldn't be preaching these type of sermons to me because it just takes too much effort to apply the Word. Give me some more milk. Tickle my ears. <laughs> You know what? Milk Christians, they can tell you Bible stories. Milk Christians can even tell you what Jesus did when He was on the earth. But what they can't tell you is what Jesus is doing now on the earth. And there's a defining difference right there between here and now. Meet Christians because they have relationship with Jesus. They're skilled in the Word. They have a sense of what God is saying, what God is doing, and what He wants to do in their lives right now. The compass is pointing true north. They know the direction in their life because they're bothered to seek out the Word of God for their lives. Amen. Can somebody say amen this morning? And so this day that Paul was preparing the church for, he says, Him we preach. That word means to proclaim. Him we proclaim. We teach, we give good content because we want to present every man, every woman perfect or mature to Christ on that day. And that should be the heart of every leader, every pastor, every church equipper 
Every mature believer is that you want to take somebody from where they are and grow them up and bring them on to another stage of growth in their lives. See, Paul talks about this back a few verses. He says in verse 21, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, in other words, your sinful life cut you off from God, yet now he's reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death. In other words, what Jesus did at the cross, he's brought you into the family. And what was his goal? To present you. Here it is again. To present you. Present where? At that divine appointment that we've all got one day with the Lord. Holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Listen to this. If indeed you continue in the faith. Wow. Once saved, always saved. Ooh. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded, steadfast, and you're not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under earth, of which Paul, I, Paul, became a minister. Friends, that is the goal for that day. When we understand that day, we can live for this day. When we understand that day is an appointment that none of us will ever miss, we can understand this day because we're living towards that day. You understand this morning? Because we know that it's, it motivates us, it changes the way we think about life. Life isn't just looking for what you can get out of it, but what you can put into it and what you can put into other people's lives. So the key word is if. If you continue in the faith that day. Hallelujah. And then at the end, he goes on to say, and, and he, he unveils one of the great mysteries of the Bible. You know, when the word mystery is used in the New Testament, you know what a mystery is? A mystery in the Bible sense is something that has not yet been revealed to all those great prophets and kings in the Old Testament. So when you see the word mystery, it's something that is only being unveiled for the first time. It's now being revealed. And Paul was saying, in order to get you ready for that day, in order that you will be presented as a son and daughter of God that day, unashamed, unembarrassed, spiritually grown up, perfected, mature, complete, all those words that you want to use that says that you've got yourself ready for that day. Paul says there's a secret ingredient that you'll need in order to prepare yourself for that day. It's not just going to go on human effort. It's not just going to go on memorizing the Bible. It's not just going to go on having lots of prayer times. All those things are vital ingredients, but that's not what's going to do it because there's a mystery that's been kept hidden all from, from King David, from, from Elijah, from Elisha, from Moses. This mystery has been kept from them and I'm giving it to you now for the first time, Colossian Church. Verse 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to you, the saints. Verse 27, here it is, building, 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 building. Can I have a drum roll? To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here it is, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Remember what I said before? 
empowered on the inside by Jesus Christ Himself. The amazing thing is, is that one day you're going to stand before Him, but He should never be unfamiliar to you because He's already in you. And when you neglect Him in you, this hope of glory, then your growth is going to be stunted. Then you're going to stay as spiritually immature as an infant in Christ, looking to stay on formula for the rest of your existence as a believer because you've never unleashed the Christ in you in order for Him to come out from you and to shine to the rest of the world. That slimy little multi-legged thing called a caterpillar has embedded in it a future glory. Embedded in that caterpillar is a beautiful two-winged creature that is mesmerising to watch in all of its beauty with its amazing colours and that slimy little crawly thing is embedded a caterpillar. Embedded in you today is the hope of glory. Jesus Christ, He is your butterfly. He is your beauty. He is your hope of the glory that is to come. But He's got to get out of you. And just in the same way that a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, it's a process called metamorphosis, which means a transformation takes place when the hope of glory who is in you is able to radiate out of you and change you into something beautiful. A pregnant woman will show if there's life in her, you can't help but see the change. When there's no life, there's no change. And a tragedy happens when that baby stops growing in the womb. And a tragedy happens when you've got Christ in you but you're not changing because you're not growing. You've become stunted in your growth. And change is the hallmark of somebody who is growing up in Christ. You will see the change in them because of what's going on inside of them. They're taking the written word and the hope of glory in them. Christ is directing them how to apply that word, how to put it into practice, how by reason of use they become spiritually discerned, able to tell what's really going on in the world because they can see through the shiny stuff and they can get to the meat of the matter. I'm nearly finished this morning. Jesus didn't cave just to come just to save us. He came to indwell us. He came for us to be His habitation a place of dwelling wherever you are. When you go to work tomorrow, you're taking Jesus with you. When you're at university, you're taking Jesus with you. When you're in your workplace, you're taking Jesus with you. Wherever you are, He's there because Christ in you is the hope of glory. The indwelling power of God. He didn't just come to take you to heaven, but He came to bring heaven to you. And that's the truth of the matter this morning. You know, popcorn is interesting, isn't it? Anyone ever tried to eat popcorn that hasn't popped? You'll, you'll most likely break a few teeth in the process. But popcorn literally has moisture inside the kernel. And when you put it in the microwave, you heat the moisture up and the moisture turns into steam until the outward conformity of that little kernel of wheat can no longer handle the internal pressure anymore and suddenly pop, pop, pop. 
pop, pop, pop. <laughs> that popcorn's popping away in your microwave because the internal nature of what was inside the popcorn can no longer be contained inside the popcorn because heat has been applied. And as a result, it's caused a transformation that the outer shell can no longer contain what's on the inside. And pop, 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 Jesus is popping out everywhere because Christ in you needs to be seen, the hope of glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the secret to us growing. How do we finish this? Friends, because we've got to answer the final question, is how do we get the indwelling Christ to manifest and allow His transforming work to take place in our lives so that we're ready for that day, so that we can be presented mature and complete and perfect in that day, the day that we stand before Jesus Christ. Remember all of this, friends. It's an eternal perspective that God has given us today. It's not just living for the now. It's living with eternity in mind today. Well, friends, here's the answer. It's found in our opening verses. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom so that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on saying, I'm working hard. But I'm not just working in my own strength. I'm working hard because the Spirit who's in me is working in me mightily. So He's not just striving and straining in His own strength. Now He's saying, I'm tethered to the power of God. I'm tethered to a relationship with Christ in me, the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, God is able to help me to proclaim the Word. He's able to help me teach the Word, to preach the Word. And He's able to do one thing, friends, because between preaching and teaching, there's one word here that He uses. What's the word? Warning. Warning. Lost in space. Danger. Will Robinson. Warning. 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 Sorry, that's you young ones wouldn't even get that. It's this TV program that we grew up with as kids. Who got that this morning? Who got that? Ah, oh, look at that, all of us oldies. Hallelujah. <laughs> so Paul is saying this. Look at this. Now, we've already established the fact that He wants to present us fully mature before Jesus, right? And then He's saying this is how it's going to be done. Through the preaching and proclamation of truth. Do you know what preaching is? Preaching is proclamation the truth with spiritual authority in order to evoke an immediate response. That's what preaching is. Teaching is revealing biblical content for the hearer, for deeper understanding. So the teachers, they'll be getting out. Yeah, I love the teaching. Give me a notebook. Give me a notebook so I can write down the Hebrew and the Greek and get right into it. Some people prefer teaching to preaching, but most of us get a double dose of both preaching and teaching. But he's saying that preaching and teaching, not just any preaching or teaching, Him we preach. Him we proclaim. So my job is to continually put Christ right in the centre of your spiritual lives every time we meet together. Friends, this is an advocacy for the fact that preaching is God's methodology for preparing the saints for eternity. And you hear all this rubbish 
rubbish going on in the church. Oh, we don't need to go to church anymore. We don't need preaching and teaching anymore. We can just talk and discuss things amongst ourselves. Well, friends, you can discuss things amongst yourselves, but God's appointed preachers and teachers to help prepare us for this divine appointment. And in between the two words of preaching and teaching, He gives one key. He says it's going to make this all come together. And that word warning means to admonish. You'll see it in other translations. Some of you may even have that word in your translation this morning. It says, Him we preach, admonishing. What does the word admonish means? It means to guide, to instruct, to come alongside and show so that people can understand what's been preached and what's been taught. Of course, the Holy Spirit will help us do that as well. But here in the Word of God, you have it here in, in, in black letters that Paul's writing and he's saying, this is the role of preaching and teaching is to warn, instruct, guide for people older than you in the Lord, for people who are spiritually mature to come alongside of you and to help you. That's why we need church. That's why we need each other. That's why God's placed us in a body. That's why He wants to put us in a community so that we can learn together and grow up instead of remaining spiritual infants. So that person that is admonishing, that person is the one that comes alongside and says, no, do you remember the Ethiopian in the chariot? And Philip is sent supernaturally and he's reading the book of Isaiah and he can't understand the prophecy about Jesus. And he comes alongside him, he jumps up in the chariot, he says, what are you reading? He says, I'm reading the book of Isaiah, but I can't understand it. You know what he did? He admonished him in the Scriptures. He came alongside of him and he unveiled and he pointed Christ in the middle of that Scripture. Well, thank you, Jesus. My time is up this morning. It's a horrible thing to be dragged out by a rip at Piha Beach. Any of you ever watched that TV program on TV? Piha can be so vicious. The rips and the currents can just take any unsuspecting person and before they know it, they've drifted out of touch and somebody has to come and rescue them. Friends, the drifts and rips of Satan are real. The devil knows that if you don't get anchored and your first response isn't to practice the Word of God, that you're going to stay a spiritual infant. Do you think He knows that? He knows that. He knows that that's going to lock you into remaining as you are for the rest of your spiritual life. So He will do anything He can to cause you to drift. And He'll send spiritual currents that will rip you away from the body, that will rip you away from the Word of God, that will rip you away from growing up. So what's it going to be, friends? Is it going to be remaining as a babe in Christ? Or is it going to be, it's time to grow? Because you know what? My dream for this church is pop, 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 pop. That faith pointers will be popping all their way through every time we gather together. You know why? Because Christ in you is manifesting out of you as the heat of God's presence is applied as we gather together. As the Word is preached, we're starting to pop and display the glory of Jesus. Can we stand as we finish the service this morning?